Nick, I guess you're just not going to be in the opening then. Yeah, you can start your recording whenever you want. Get with the times, new Roman. <laughs> Font-based jokes get all the ladies. Hey, apparently so, because you're in a relationship and I'm not. I guess I'll have to try font-based puns now. <laughs> is there is there a good Comic Sans font joke you could probably make? Oh, that should totally be the opening. I hope you're recording, because it's going on. It's funny, Nick Nick walked out because uh, no one has congratulated him on his win yet. <laughs> Such a diva. <laughs> Nick doesn't really say anything important, it's okay. Okay, I'm recording now. <laughs> Bob called you a diva while you were gone. Thanks, Bob. Because you wa- you walked off since nobody congratulated you on your win yet. <laughs> but no, seriously, Nick, congratulations on your win. Yeah. We got the exclusive interview, man. So we should start the episode with, like, Hi, I'm Austin, and then you're like, Hi, I'm the co-host Bob, and then Hi, I'm the co-host Ben. Our special guest is Nick Conley. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all right, because last time we uh, recorded, I sounded like I was drunk and or stoned. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe you were. We'll never know. <laughs> well, I I know I wasn't. That's exactly what someone who was drunk and stoned would say. <laughs> <laughs> I wish uh, I wish sometime we can have like a blooper reel segment where it's just like a 15-minute off-the-cuff episode of just all the bloopers from all of our episodes. That would require a lot of editing. We need to make more funny mistakes. The last episode I recorded with Andrew, the one that we never released, he was talking and then he just looks at me and he's like, you're not paying attention. And I'm like, yeah, I'm on Tinder, sorry. And and we started arguing about like me being on Tinder (laughs) while we're recording the podcast. It was really funny. (laughs) And sad, and sad. The Ashtray podcast almost went away because of it. Andrew and I had some irreconcilable differences uh, when it came to our opinions on speed limits and meatloaf. (laughs) It's a very polarizing topic. Anyways, we digress. Ashtray Podcast. I'm your co-host Nick Conley. I'm your co-host Austin Mills. And I'm your co-host Bob Klotz. And I'm special guest Ben Brow. How's it going, Ben? It's going pretty great. I'm excited to be on the podcast tonight. We're happy to have you. Absolutely. Well, shucks. <laughs> We're also happy to have you, Bob. Um, we've been looking for a third co-host for a while, and I'm glad that you are willing to take the plunge. Well, how could I possibly not want to spend, you know, an hour or two every week with some of the winningest Ashes players out there? <laughs> I know, I'm pretty great. Speaking of winningest Ashes players, Nick, you very recently won a Summer Slam Jam tournament. By very recently, I mean like an hour and a half ago, so congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It was a great time. The main action put on one heck of an event. Shout out to the main action. I was busy watching Oakland beat your school at rugby, so... I wasn't aware that anything was going on. (laughs) There was a rugby game in Detroit, and I watched it, and you lost 51-0. to I'm sorry. I I hope it was very important and meaningful to a lot of people. Probably not as many as the TTS tournament. There were like 20 people there. It was great. It was such a fun tournament. There were 16 people... Um, it was double elimination, which is a really fun format for Ashes, I think, especially when we're playing online. It keeps things moving along at an appropriate pace for everybody. I'm looking forward to the next one. I hope, I hope I can come to that one too. Cool. So today we're going to be talking all about Lulu and, uh, Phoenix Barrage. And, uh, as well as that, we're happy to announce our project that we've been working on, which is the Ashes Player Circuit. Yeah, so the Ashes Players Circuit is going to be a seven-city circuit of tournaments in the Midwest area to be part of this regional event, and hopefully it expands into the future into other regions, but for now we're going to start off in the Midwest. 
see how it goes. Yeah. Um, the philosophy is by the players for the players. So we're letting TOs play in tournaments. We're even letting um, Plat Hat Games employees play in tournaments um, because they don't really have any other op- opportunities to. And this is obviously all unofficial. We're providing all of our own custom prize support. So we're going to have the participation prize. Um, when you walk in the door, you get two alt art frostback bears, um, which are our own artwork that we've commissioned. And if you stay for the entire tournament, you get two more. Uh, the top cut of every tournament is going to get four alt art shadow spirits. And then there are beautiful playmats with the skyline of each city on them. Uh, and they say Ashes Player Circuit 2016 Regional Champion. Uh, there's a final, which is going to be in Detroit. So the top X players from every event will qualify for that final. And the top placing player will receive a wooden deck box. And the top four are getting a custom playmat. Yeah, we're really looking forward to starting all these events. If there's one being scheduled in a city near you, we really hope you show up to it. And hopefully this is the first of many great circuits of tournaments across the country. Yeah, we'd be really excited to expand this in the future. I mean, it's really exciting to me. I hope my schedule lines up so I can make it to one or two. So do you know when uh, the first one's going to be kicking off? Yeah, uh, you could check out our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash ashesplayerscircuit, and there you can see a schedule of all of the events. The first one is going to be in Cleveland on October 15th. So uh, we're deciding to do something a little different with the tournament structure because um, this has been a, a recurring complaint about Ashes tournaments is that Swiss and Ashes don't really seem to be the best of friends. So some people unfortunately get screwed over by Swiss. Uh, just because of the way the tiebreaker system works. So, um, for example, at Gen Con, you had large tournaments, and it was a cut to top four. So there were many players. There were a few players that would be 5-0 and zero or 4-0, and zero, undefeated players, who were obviously in the cut. Um, but then you'd have an abundance of players who were four wins and one loss, or three wins and one loss, or what have you. Um, and only a few of them would make the cut, and just as many of them wouldn't. And that all came down to tiebreakers, which is something that's completely beyond that player's control. So, um, based on the performance of your opponents, you made the cut or didn't make the cut. Um, And that's really not cool because you had the same record as someone who was in the cut. So, our solution to that is going to be, there will still be a top cut at the tournaments, like top 8 or top 4. And those are the people that get to play for the playmat and uh, the first round bye at the Grand Championship. Uh, which all of the regional champions will get. But everyone who is 3-1 or 4-1 will automatically qualify to go to the Grand Championship. So even if you miss the cut to play for the playmat, you're not going to miss out on being able to attend the Grand Championship. Seems like a pretty elegant solution to me. Yeah, I think it sounds great. What we have planned for the Grand Championships in Detroit is that we're going to be doing a double elimination style tournament there. Also, the winners of each regional event are going to get a first round bye during that Grand Championship tournament. So look forward to that. So another one of our goals for the Ashes Player Circuit is to have a very casual, friendly environment and just welcome as many players as we can to the scene. This is the player circuit after all, so anything we can do to have a great environment and welcome as many new players to the scene as we can would be great. In that same vein, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct is not going to be tolerated because everybody who's there uh, is there to have fun, and we're organizing all of this and we're spending all of this time and money because we love this game and we want to have fun playing this game and organizing events for this game because uh, it's a game. We're all here to have fun, so we don't want to provide a negative experience for anyone involved. Awesome. So get excited. we got plenty of tournaments coming, hopefully in an area nearby you, and it'll be great if there's not a whole lot of other tournaments happening in that time period. we got the October-November window filled up with some great tournaments. You can email us at ashesplayercircuit at gmail.com, or you can check out our Facebook page, which is Ashes Player Circuit, and you can message us there. We want to thank Megan Cannon for her excellent artwork for our Frostback Bear and our Shadow Spirit, and also special thanks to Jake Gabbert for designing our Loger. Lo- Loger. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Dude, this whole episode's a train wreck. It's fine. Is it going to be a sign of an advance sort of thing, or can I just show up to an Ashes Player Circuit tournament? You can walk in the door, sign up. You don't need to sign up in advance. Um, so whenever registration starts, and that's going to be those details will be up to the TOs individually. Sounds good. All right, so now that we've gotten all the intro and player circuit stuff done, Austin, uh, what decks have you been playing recently? Nick and I recently went to an Ashes organized play event at Eternal Games in Warren, just outside of Detroit, and uh, I have been playing Aerodel, um, which is what I took to that. I took second place, Nick took fifth, um, and Phil Ricecamp ended up taking home the tournament with Aerodel. Um I was playing a Nature Ceremonial Charm Aerodel. Uh, it's five Nature, four Ceremonial, and one Charm. And the one Charm die is only there for Summon Gilder. The deck includes um, Expand Energy, Summon Blue Jaguar, Summon Butterfly Monk, Summon Gilder, um, Final Cries, Molten Golds, um, Summon Sleeping Widows as a three of, uh, is a big component of the deck, um, Fire Archers, Hammer Knights, uh, the usual garbage that you expect out of ceremonial and natural. So hold on a second. After hearing all that, it uh, doesn't sound like you used anything from Leo or Victoria. Uh, no. So Leo and Vicky were not allowed at this tournament. I was originally going to play the Soraya deck um, that I'd love to talk about just a little bit later on. But then we, we decided that we were not going to play with Leo and Vicky cards because not everybody had them and was willing to use proxies. Uh, so I had to quickly put together another deck, so I kind of added a new spin on an older deck uh, that I had made quite a while ago. Uh, the deck is called Law Enforcement. It's up on my Playplat website, or on my Playplat account, um, which is Ice Cold Jazz. And you can see an older version of the deck on there. Hopefully by the time this comes out, I will have updated it to the version that I played uh, more recently. Nick, what did you take? I took a retrograde version of that Lulu Burn deck I was talking about last episode. It's got the Owls, Monks, and Guilders, pretty popular spread for Lulu. It's got all the burn damage you can hope for, Phoenix Barrage, Molten Gold, Sympathy Pains, and Final Cries. I also had Regress and Blood Chains in there, Fire Archers, and Chain of Revenge. It was... Not the best performance of the deck I've had with it. It has a really good matchup against Jessa. And the one Jessa that I faced, I won pretty handily against. But against the two Aerodels, both Phil, who won the tournament, and Austin, you guys destroyed my deck. And it was a very hard time for Lulu. Yeah, that was, that was a pretty easy game on my end. I expected it to be my toughest matchup, and it definitely was not. Um, I played against Phil's Aerodel. That was a very uh, very tough game. Yeah, Phil's Aerodel was really good. Congrats to him. So, not our next episode, but the episode after that, uh, we'll be talking about Aerodel and all things Aerodel, just like we're talking about all things Lulu today. Um, so, Phil, if you're listening, we would love to have you on for that episode. So, Ben, have you been playing anything uh, particularly interesting or cool lately? Uh, well, I have a four-book Lulu deck that I've been messing around with uh, that has Shadow Spirits, Monks, Spirits, and Bears. And I've really enjoyed playing with Monks and Spirits because, as everyone knows, both of their life abilities or life attributes are tied to their spellbook. So a main problem people run into with Lulu is that four battlefield. But if you put out one Butterfly Monk, use the Monk, you can meditate that away and put out another ready spell, and you are still going to have a monk to play, and you're clearing your own battlefield for yourself. Plus, I also have final cries in that deck, so I can, you know, combo that up as well. Yeah, it's it's really cool to uh, bolster and swing in, and now your whole battlefield is exhausted, and you think your your opponent thinks they might have... They might have a chance to damage you, but then you... Might have a chance, because your your battlefield has been exhausted for... To them, hopefully, for the rest of the round. But if you kill two of your own units, then you can summon some more content. Yeah, actually, I had a game I was able to win because I meditated away my Butterfly Monk spells, got some wolves, put out my spirits, and could swing in for the finishing blow there. So do you find that you're not focusing your ready spells that much, Ben? Are you only getting the Butterflies and Shadow Spirits up to one life, and then 
throwing them away. It kind of depends on the matchup. If I'm going against a deck that's going to be pinging me, I might get my Shadow Spirit focused at least once so they can survive a couple rounds before I swing. But normally, I mean, with Lulu, if I can get four creatures out, I'm just going to swing and either destroy the opponent's battlefield because I'll have two or three damage hitting any creature they block with, or I'll be hitting them really hard. And, like, I, I think... Uh, Austin has mentioned, or like when I was playing this deck against Austin, you know, he goes, oh crap, I forgot about Bolster. So like you think I can, you, you can handle that four damage or what have you, and suddenly it's eight damage or six damage. And so it, it kind of, Bolster kind of sneaks up on you. Yeah, in my, you know, as I'm thinking through the rest of the round, in my quick analysis of the board state for, you know, I'm thinking about what action I'm going to take this turn. I see some misspirits and I'm like, oh, whatever, I can take two damage. And then it turns into four because I forgot about Bolster. Four really does seem to be the key number if you're attacking. That's what you want to be doing, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, really, with Lulu, you're adding four damage to anything as long as you have four creatures out. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what they are. So if you can fill up that battlefield and swing in, four extra damage is going to be hitting something. Right, and even if you're only hitting units, you're still getting four damage for right. one for one dice. Right, and then if you're running Gilders, like a lot of Lulu decks do, or if you're running just even Nature Dice, you can probably clean up the other side of the board pretty handily, hopefully before they can swing back. And even if they do swing back, then you'll clear the board so you don't have that problem of, you know, your board state is screwed going into the next round and you get hit with Hammer Knight and Bear twice. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely some... uh some next level play to find a way to remove your own exhausted units to fill up your battlefield for a second time in a round. And the Butterfly Monk and Shadow Spirit have it built right in. And then I've also have Blood Chains in the deck. Obviously, do I can exhaust units, and then I empty my board so I can put something else and I might be able to bolster past that now exhausted unit. Do you include other ways to clear up your own battlefield with Blood Chains? Um, I actually like to use Phoenix Barrage to clear my own battlefield because I've gotten Phoenix Barrage countered by Vanish before, which really sucks, uh, because Vanish stops all the effects of a spell, so I don't get to do the 4 damage to the unit or 2 damage to the Phoenix form. So does Golden Veil. Yeah, Golden Veil. I, I don't think I've ever seen a deck that has had Golden Veil and Vanish, but if I ever suspect it, I will definitely just kill my own unit instead, and maybe even final cry off of that as well. So it's four damage to an opposing Phoenix Born, and I'm clearing up my board state. That's right. As soon as this episode drops, Drake is going to be on it. <laughs> it just seems like such a such a tight mana restriction, requiring two illusion, charm, and natural. That's definitely a Drake deck. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would, I mean, yeah, that could be fun, I would think. That could be interesting. Oh, yeah, and my dice for down that I didn't mention was uh, 5 Illusion, 3 Nature, 2 Ceremonial. And so sometimes I might end up doing a little bit of Light Exhaust as well, which sort of helps you bolster past some units, especially in 3-color decks. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, if I see Light Ceremonial and suspect a Hammer Knight, you might get rid of that instead, that sort of thing. Oh yes, it's yeah. Purple dice are just the greatest, especially if you're running heavy purple die and you just take away all your opponent's dice and just laugh as they can't do anything. I always think, you know, if you really hate having to play against a certain color or a certain deck, it's going to be really fun to play, and that is definitely true with Illusion. So let's talk about Lulu in general. So she has four battlefield, twenty-one life, and four spellboard. So. Uh, and her unique card is Phoenix Barrage, which costs three basic dice, and it does four damage to a target unit, and then two damage to a target Phoenix Born. I love Phoenix Barrage. Yes. That card is so strong. I think it's great against decks that run Hammer Knights and Bears. It is a card that you can play to stop them right when they summon it before they get any chance to get any value off of that unit, and mm -hmm. it also puts some damage on their Phoenix Born as well. And that three basic cost means you can run it with any colors you want, so you can really play around with Lulu and not worry about not being able to use her exclusive. I always love when Phoenix Born aren't specifically tied to a single color. Definitely keeps the options open. 
the, all the promos cost only. And and that is the goal. I mean, the promos don't have their own decks to support them, so you know it only makes sense to make them, uh, you know, perfect for deck building. Right. And uh, you can't have you know completely wide open deck building opportunities unless you uh, allow their Phoenix specific card to be basic and their ability to not require any uh, specific dice types either. Right. But I'd like to take a moment to talk about my favorite application of Phoenix Barrage, and that's hitting the, uh, or using the four damage to a unit to hit a living doll to direct it at their Phoenix Born. It's completely not a, uh, uh, a top tier play, but it's really fun when you can pull it off. I think that's great, especially if you have a snake die. Before you do that, mm-hmm. you can buff the living doll and then get an extra damage in now that her life's four. You played Lulu for your Beat Bob deck in Tulsa, didn't you, Bob? Yes, I did. And who did you, I, I remember you bragging that you had killed somebody by doing that. Yeah, that was, that, that was that was me. That was Ben. Thanks, Austin. <laughs> uh, it was really disappointing because I had I was, like had the win on the next turn or something, and then suddenly Phoenix Barrage and Adele. And a final cry, so for a total of six damage. It was quite upsetting. So yeah, like I think like Bob said, you know, it's definitely not something you want to sink six dice into and focus your deck on it, but it's pretty awesome. That's uh, seven damage for the math teacher, Ben. Yeah, you know, not good at arithmetic. <laughs> I'll do calculus all day long for you, but not good at arithmetic. The future of America's children, ladies and gentlemen. Right here. <laughs> so also, Lulu, I love her high life value. That's really great. At least I like having the high life because I feel like I can, you know, sort of take one or two hits, maybe take a hit from a Hammer Knight Go deck and feel safe because I'm going to be hitting you really hard with something with bolstering in. I mean, I think one of the things 20, 21 Life does is it allows you to uh, to build any kind of deck. You can build a fast tempo deck, you can build a slow deck because you have the life that allows you to be resilient against those fast burn decks. Right, yeah. And you have a unique card that doesn't railroad you uh, like Mayonis does. Right. So, um, more of a general discussion about the life of a Phoenixborn. Um, how much does this value matter compared to Battlefield? So, I'm of the opinion that Battlefield and Spellboard, particularly Battlefield, are much more important stats than the life total. Um, because we've seen decks with lower life totals win reasonably sized tournaments. Airedale got first and second place at this recent tournament in Warren. We had a pretty good turnout there. So, like, when does your life value matter the most? And, and is that a good reason to consider playing or not playing a, a particular Phoenixborn? I think uh, how much life value matters depends on the meta a lot. I agree with that. I, I think it matters most in certain matchups. Or it matters more in certain matchups than it does in other ones. So against a burn deck where they're putting you on a clock from turn one, I think it can be very important. That could be the difference between making it to another round or not. Right. If, you, uh, if you're if you in a meta of Brennan and they're throwing all the damage at your face, playing Aerodel is it doesn't look so great compared to playing Lulu. True, but if you're, if you're running Aerodel against Brennan, you can probably hopefully swarm the heck out of him before her before she can get that damage over the top. She's killing her own units, kind of, is a perfect matchup for Aerodel to just swarm in. That's yeah. true. That's very true. I am the world's biggest Team Black Cloud fanboy, and I can tell you that Aerodel is definitely her toughest matchup. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, even against, like, a burn deck, if you have that big battlefield, you're, you might be able to give it a run for its money or just outright beat it. Hmm. Well, the the problem between Brennan and Aerodel, and we can talk about this more, in depth when we when we get to a discussion of those Phoenix Born, but um, the key difference is that Brennan can target a Phoenix Born with her ability, and Aerodel can't. Um, mm-hmm. And her ability is a little bit less cost intensive; it just costs a basic as opposed to a natural class. Um, so it's a lot more flexible. There's a lot more you can do with it, and it directly advances your win condition. Um, in addition to being able to pivot that to battlefield control if you need to. However, the downside against Aerodel is that you have to sacrifice one of your creatures in order to do so. You have to destroy one of your units in order to do so. And Aerodel does not. And um, that's where that advantage comes from. 
So then, back, but back to Lubu. So I think definitely that twenty one life is pretty great. Like I, it, I would say it's probably second only to Phoenix Barrage, because uh, Phoenix Barrage for those three basic four damage to a unit basically kill any unit in the game. I think unbuffed outside of Wraith. Uh, I mean, how is that not awesome for three basic dice and two damage to a Phoenix Born? How does it compare to Fear? Uh, fear, well, I guess suppose Phoenix Barrage can be countered by Golden Veil and Vanish, where Fear can only be countered by Golden Veil. But, again, you probably aren't going to see both in one deck, so you really, it really doesn't matter. And I think it's, in that respect, then it's superior to Fear because you're outright destroying it, not just sending it back to their hand. Another great thing about Phoenix Barrage is that it can target allies much more effectively. Being able to kill the Hammer Knight as opposed to sending it back to the hand with fear makes the world of a difference. Yeah, because then they, I mean, even when you send it back to their hand, they have the option that round to even just play it again if they really need it out. As opposed to you Phoenix Barrage, it's not coming back unless they want to take four damage or have a bound soul. Exactly, yeah. I do feel, though, that uh, fear, it doesn't get more efficient. Uh, it's an answer to wh whatever the largest cost thing your opponent plays for no magic. So um, it's my personal opinion that fear is always at least as good as Phoenix Barrage, but there's some matchups where Phoenix Barrage is as good. That's true, yeah. Uh, at its very worst, fear is usually a card that says you lose two dice. Uh, which is still a card that I would play for a main action. That's true, yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, but they're both, they're both pretty good exclusive cards. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I'd agree with that statement. Yeah. The next thing to talk about is maybe, uh, maybe her biggest weakness, which is her uh, Battlefield of Four. Yeah. Sure. I would definitely call that her biggest weakness. Um, four... Uh, I mean, obviously, I think everyone agrees that the problem with Mayoni is that she only has three battlefield, and and four is not a, a big step uh, more than three, um, but it's it's a world of a difference. Um, but it's it still doesn't seem that far from five either. But mm -hmm. like I said, it's it's a world difference. So a lot of times playing Lulu, I find myself in really awkward situations having to deal with that four battlefield. Yeah, and the in the tournament that I played at Warren, I had a problem where I had a Fire Archer in hand that I really needed to play to control the battlefield, but my battlefield was full. I did a bolster attack, so I had a couple units exhausted. I had a butterfly just sitting there. So you get into situations where you can't use some of your allies with effects when they enter the battlefield as effectively. And it also changes the pacing of the round, so if you want to do that big bolster attack and get as much value as you can by having a battlefield full, then you're left with a bunch of those exhausted units, and it can be really hard to get rid of them or have your opponent try and get rid of them too. Yeah, because I've run into situations where I do that full bolster, and the the opponent will either just take it, so my units are all exhausted, or they'll just guard and not counter, because then I just have some exhausted units and they didn't clear my battlefield for me. Exactly, yeah, and then you that'll usually give you a great opportunity to swing in later that round. Right, that's why I like like running with the monks and the spirits, so you have that built-in clearing mechanism, or you know the the shadow spirit, or you know, the blood chains, or you know killing your own units with some nature dice because you have those weak one life units. Just play against Cole. Yeah, just play against Cole. Exactly, he'll clear. <laughs> Although I don't think Cole would clear your battlefield for you. I think also, uh, beyond just the implications of during the game, uh, the four battlefield impacts deck building a ton. Because, you know, you can't build a deck that runs fewer units in case you're playing against somebody that's playing, you know, just a battlefield control deck. You have to be able to put those units out. But if you draw those units up and you don't have anywhere, anywhere to put them, you're at a resource disadvantage. Right, right. So what do you think could be done to alleviate uh, this this obvious difficulty in, in deck building? I'm really interested in what Ben was saying about using the conjurations that have life value equal to the number of ready spells you have out and kind of using each of those ready spells as a disposable summon where you can meditate them away, have the unit clear up, you get some better dice from meditating. You can trigger effects that trigger off a unit being destroyed, like Chain of Revenge or Final Cry. 
and then making room for some more units. Yeah, and that's also really nice, like you said, because especially if you have those monks or shadow spirits, you're getting those power symbols when you meditate, so you don't have to meditate your deck away, which is good if you want to keep your burn cards or whatever else you have in there. Right. So, uh, some MVP cards in Lulu. What do we think? Um, I'm definitely on uh, Team Blood Chains. Yes. Absolutely. Blood Chains. And you know, with uh, the increase of Regress being played, she does have four spellboard. Do you sometimes include Cut the Strings? I don't think I... I think I would kill a Regress unit with Blood Chains or a Nature Die before I would put Cut the Strings in a deck. Well, so so something Nick and I uh, had talked about, and Nick, I believe it was in your deck um, yep. for the TTS tournament, wasn't it? Yes, it was. was. A, a single Cut the Strings in Jessa, because you kind of get to double dip. You get to kill a Blood Puppet, and you get to uh, remove a Regress from a unit that you control. Uh, so you're kind of two for one in your opponent, which is pretty cool. And it's a recurring option that you have available every round. Um, so every round you get to kill a blood puppet. And every round you get to remove a regress. The other thing that's really cool with that is it lets you... Rather, it gives you another opportunity to trigger your abilities off of the destruction of a unit on your turn. So against Illusion, it can be really difficult to play Final Cry because they'll see what you're going for and just always exhaust that away. But being able to destroy a unit on your turn without, say, meditating away your Butterfly Monk spells can be really powerful. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I I find it very awkward to try to play Final Cries um, against Illusion players. I meditated it away like three times today against Illusion. I went through a gauntlet (laughs) of Illusion players today. Wow, I'm sorry. It's crazy. Another fun fact, the second place deck at the uh, the SummerSlam Jam also included Cut the Strings. So I don't think we should be dismissing Cut the Strings, you know, right now. Yeah, Elliot talked to me after the tournament, and he said how funny it was that we both thought or found the value of Cut the Strings against a Blood Puppet in Regress-style deck. Unfortunately, we didn't go up against any of those today, but it was pretty cool to see us both come to the same conclusion, and when we both meditated it away and around, it was a pretty funny moment. So, another card that I kind of like in Lulu, um, and you can sue me for this, is Blood Transfer, uh, if you happen to be playing those colors. Um, Yeah. Because you get to do two damage to a unit that you control, it costs a side action exhaustion token, a ceremonial class, and a charm class. Um, you do two damage to a unit you control, and then you may remove up to two wound tokens from a unit you control, or one wound token from your Phoenix Born. So you can leverage that 21 life even harder by removing wound tokens from yourself, um, and making yourself even harder to kill. And you could kill a blood, or you could kill a butterfly monk with that as well, and get extra extra life. You can kill a butterfly monk, a mist spirit. Um, whatever little weenie that you happen to have in play to open up room to summon another conjuration. Or even kill a blood puppet. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that, that's really cool. I never thought about blood transfer. Lulu hates blood puppets. Well, really, I think anybody with five battlefield or lower, except Brennan, yeah, hates blood hate. puppets. Yeah, Blood puppets are good. Play them. Or don't. Or don't, you know. Do what you want. <laughs> Play what you like. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You should play Blood Puppets and tons of Illusion. You'll be everyone's best friend. Yep, they will <laughs> most definitely not hate you. So Two least favorite things to play against. <laughs> we kind of mentioned it with Blood Puppets talking about Bolster and how fun that is. Uh, do, I mean, it's basically four extra damage, right, if you have four units out. Uh, against Illusion Dice, you might not get to necessarily use it, so... You know, how awesome is Bolster, really? Well, it is only Thoughts? one basic. I, I think that's right. pretty pretty usable against a heavy illusion player. And because, it's, because it doesn't have a class requirement, it really doesn't matter what they're trying to aggressively target. Right. So, like with Bolster and Lulu, it seems to me that Lulu needs needs to be aggressive, not necessarily 
burn cards like Molten Gold, Final Cry Aggressive, but you definitely need to be swinging in with, you know, three to four units every single turn with your bolster to get your use out of Lulu. So another card um, that's really interesting, I think, with Lulu is Summon Sleeping Widows. And it yeah. seems like anti-synergy with Lulu because she only has four battlefield. And, of course, the interaction between your battlefield size and the Summon Sleeping Widows is that, um, say you have three units and one of them dies and you trigger the Sleeping Widows, you would only get a single Sleeping Widows because um, the on-death effects for Final Cry and Channel Revenge and things like that trigger before the unit is actually removed from your battlefield, so you actually wouldn't have space for both of them, which is why it's kind of anti-synergy with Lulu. Um, However, it has a really interesting synergy with Bolster, uh, which can be enabled by Anchor Knot. Mm -hmm. So if you have an Anchor Knot that you play, and you can recur with your Ceremonial Magic, if you have it kill itself, then you can play Sleeping Widows, and uh, you haven't spent any actions on your turn, so you can still side action Bolster, main action attack for six or more. Yep. So the moral of the story is, beware Lulu who's playing an Anchor Knot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, just about everyone with Ceremony is playing an Anchor Knot these days, so who knows. It's also kind of fun, um, well, this was like even before the EV nerf, so I would probably have to change this deck, but uh, I would have an, an Iron Worker and use EV to kill something, and then have the extra side action to bolster as well. So yeah, that's another good point. Uh, Iron Worker, even though it takes up a battlefield slot, can really allow for some interesting interactions with bolster and other side action uh, abilities. Right, because when you want to bolster and swing, sometimes you need that extra side action to be doing something, and you can't spend it on bolster. Well, Ironwork will fix that for you. When I first started, when I first started Ashes, uh, my very first constructed deck, I didn't realize that hypnotize and strengthen were both side actions, and it was real bad. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that can be really valuable. If you have a frog die, you can use that to deal an extra damage to something before or after your big bolster attack to help really clear away the battlefield. Right. I like Ironworker. I should have tried that card. So, Ben, I thought it was pretty interesting that you said you had Illusion Dice in your Lulu deck. From my experience with Lulu, I haven't seen a whole lot of Illusion Dice be used with her. So, do you think it was Shadow Spirits that really pushed Illusion into a Lulu build? I think so, yes. I had tried to do one with uh, False Demon that just didn't really work. I think I had more than five Illusion in that one. But, uh, yeah, Shadow Spirits, I think, are what make it work. Cause they give you that one or one wolf unit that you can throw out and three damage if you bolster it. So, that's awesome. And then if you, you know, suspect they're going to try and choke you or do anything else that's going to stop what Lulu wants, you can just exhaust them instead. Because I think just about the only thing in my deck that needs the illusion is the Shadow Spirit. So I can be spending, you know, upwards of four, even all five of them on a turn to exhaust because I also have hidden powers in there as well. So I can get them back. Yeah, that's great. So really then, uh, the only illusion stuff that you're including is just hidden power, which goes in every deck that runs illusion, Yeah. And the shadow spirits? Yes, so, and then kind of exhausting, because I love doing exhaust with my illusion dice. Do you think it's worth including um, Miss Typhoon if you're going to be running nat natural and illusion? Uh, maybe, I don't know that I have it in there, that might be interesting to try just to sort of clean up the battlefield after I bolster in if they blocked all of my units. That would be really useful. Because generally with Lulu, you're doing two or three damage, and I think most units in Ashes have two or three life, correct? So you're you're either killing them outright, or you can clean them up with a Mist Typhoon or a Frog Die. Another interesting thing about the Shadow Spirit that kind of relates back to our topic of clearing away... Lulu's own units is that the Shadow Spirit has the illusion ability, which means in battle they'll always be cleared out if your opponent counterattacks. Right. Or if you block with them. Right. And at that two attack value, it's kind of a a no win situation. They either take the two damage or they free up your battlefield for you. Yeah, 
I think that's my it's, favorite thing. It's really cool to see strategies that are all about clearing out your own battlefield. Seems counterintuitive. And one of those things that Ashes, uh, or that really separates Ashes from other game, other games, in my opinion. Most definitely. Um, so we're talking a lot about clearing away our own battlefield. That seems to imply that we're going to need a lot of cheap summons to do that. But what do you guys think about a Lulu build that used high value units, like lots of bears and hammer knights, so you're not reaching your limit of four battlefield as much, you're investing more dice into each of your units on the battlefield? Well, I think the meta as it was around the Tulsa uh, tournament, that's certainly a viable build. I mean, at, at that point it was all about you know, playing the biggest things you could that were the most aggressive and things traded and your battlefield didn't really get much bigger than two or three at a time. But uh, post Vicky and Leo, the the battlefields tend to build up a bit more and I don't really think that you want to uh, give the opponent the opportunity to lock down something that cost you three dice to put into play. Yeah, I, I, agree. I agree with Bob. If, especially in Lulu, you don't want to be... Sp- putting out big expensive units because like we've been talking about you definitely want to be able to clear your battlefield away because there's lots of cards that are going to lock you down now so even if you do fill up your battlefield with four bears that gets locked down with regress and blood chains you're screwed you don't really have a good way to get rid of those bears outside of your own blood chains or your phoenix barrage and then you're spending six dice on the bear and the phoenix barrage I have seen some regressed guilders playing my Lulu deck a bit, which is pretty funny. I don't know how often a regress has gone on a guilder, but I've seen it, I think, twice now. I uh, I did regress a guilder against you the other day. Yeah. <laughs> that poor mouse. <laughs> it's an even smaller mouse. Another thing about maybe not using these higher value units in Lulu, is that Bolster might lose some of its effect on these units with already gigantic attack values like Hammer Knight. If they're going to be blocking your unit anyways, is hitting them with a 5 attack Hammer Knight really any different? It really seems like there's much more value in Bolster when you have a bunch of cheap 1 attack units. Yes. Right. Right. The difference between a 1 attack and 2 attack in this spirit is a lot bigger than the difference between... Uh, a two attack and three attack bear. Right. It, it's why Shadow Spirit's so strong how it normally is compared to, to all the other one die units. That's the only one that's two attack, and it's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Whatever it crashes into, you're happy. And in Lulu, you can give all of your units that two attack. Yep. Which is why it's awesome to do those cheap one die, one two units, or one one units. Yeah, Ben, I, I really liked seeing the Miss Spirits in your deck too. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's um, pretty fun. It's Yeah, it's a great way to fill up your battlefield again uh, quickly after a board wipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, something else I'd, I'd like to bring up is what types of uh, things would, would everybody love to see for Lulu? I mean, personally, I'd love to see something that allowed you to uh, use Bolster more than once in a round. Yeah, I wish Transfer could remove Exhaustion Tokens from Phoenixborn. I would play it all day. Yes, yes. Especially because we just talked about how you can clean your battlefield after a bolster. That'd be awesome to start over. Do st- all yeah, over start over with a full four units bolstering again. Although I imagine that would be rather expensive. I don't know if you could afford to do that and play whatever card is going to let her bolster twice. And beyond that, that type of ability is just really hard to uh, to cost in the game. Yeah, that, I imagine that would be a pretty difficult ability to balance. So after the player circuit, once we get a, a bigger feel for um, like a, a larger meta in our area, like the number of players that are like willing to drive out to, to cool events, um, I want to do a teams tournament. And these have been done in Netrunner before, um, like where everybody has to play a different faction. You're on teams of four. I'd love to do an Ashes teams tournament with teams of four, um, and everybody has to play a different Phoenix Born on your team, and between the four of you, you have to have ten dice of each type. Well, I've always been um, a fan of unified uh, restrictions, so you can have no more than three of of any given card amongst all decks. 
Oh, man. Yeah, that's something I've played in Magic before, and it's really cool. So basically use one of each copy of every of every Ashes set and split that between however many players are on your team. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So nobody, nobody, there can be no more than three Molten Golds on your entire team. But I, I think a team's tournament would be really cool. And the way they do it in Netrunner is you're paired up team to team based on your total record. Um, and then the best player on your team is paired up against the best player on their team. Um, and then all the way down from there. So you have floating, you have floating records then? Yeah. And your, your teams are paired based on your totals. And then you're also paired within teams based on the, the best player on your team. Sounds really fun. Yeah. Uh, but we'd have, like, obviously we'd have to have a lot of support and you'd have to have, like, teams sign up in advance and everything. Um, and, like, you could give out cool awards for, like, coolest team name and stuff like that. So, at uh, at the King of Servers tournament last year at Netrunner Worlds, which was the day before, I think there were 32 teams and we were the Wotan clan. I like it. And obviously there has to be a, a prize for the per, the the team that had the player that did the best with Iron Rhinos. Oh, absolutely. Oh, God. Like, eventually I'm going to have to eat some Phoenix Born, so. <laughs> anyway, so were you eating all your Phoenix Borns if someone won with three Iron Rhinos in their deck? It'd have to be a big tournament like Tulsa or Gen Con. Right. And they have to deliver the killing blow with an Iron Rhino. What? Hold on, hold on. I think this has changed. First it was just have Iron Rhino in your deck. No, it was, it was never just have it in your deck, because then you could just play one of them in Cole and then do well. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, well, now you could. You couldn't previously, like in Tulsa. Yeah. No, you'd, you'd have to, uh, like, you'd have to, to win, like, by actively using Iron Rhinos to advance your game plans. Like, if you were actually summoning them and, and using them to good effect, and you won a big tournament with them in your deck, then I would eat a Phoenixborn. Uh, and then I said, if you won a large tournament, like Gen Con, with an Iron Rhino. Like, by using the Iron Rhino to kill your opponent and slashing it with coal does not count. <laughs> that is a quote. That is a direct quote, actually. So, could I, like, force you to eat, like, a signed Phoenixborn alt art card that you have? Uh, sure, whatever. Well, we're going to be giving those away. Because <laughs> so. it's never going to happen. So. Gonna... <laughs> and, and besides that, that's not really a punishment because Austin can get those again whenever he wants. Right. right. Yeah, I I just passed up on one at the last tournament. I passed the playmat down to to one of my opponents. Um, was a little bit upset that he was not going to be winning anything after I beat him. So I told him, uh, if I placed, he could have any of the prizes that I could choose from, and he wanted the playmat. So I took the playmat and I gave it to him. All right. So pretty cool. See, so you have to eat a playmat. <laughs> that sounds very not tasty. <laughs> Maybe a very small piece. <laughs> or like if I could eat it over the course of maybe ten years, sure, I mean, I'll, is, like I'll is, put a little can bit. Can integrate it into your diet. Is neoprene <laughs> yeah. is neoprene toxic? Can become a new staple food. Oh yeah, I don't know. Only one way to find. Yeah, out. you might. I don't know. It, there's some fabric in there and some rubber. I don't know. Small quantities over ten years, you could probably do it. Uh, you can go ahead and like our page on Facebook. That's facebook.com/ashtraypodcast. Um, in addition to that, you can like facebook.com slash Ashes Player Circuit. Um, we have an Altart Rin and an Altart Brennan si signed by Bob, Fernanda, and Isaac in Tulsa um, that we're giving out. So as soon as we hit 100 likes on the Ashtray Podcast page, we'll give out one to a random person. We'll pay for the shipping. And uh, the same thing for 150 likes, whichever one is left. Um, we will send it to you for free. Be sure to listen to the Main Action Podcast, another great Ashes podcast. You can also watch C and Eric stream on Tabletop Simulator. They're always playing games, and they post when they start their streaming time. Uh, they usually post those in Ashes Online, which is facebook.com slash group slash Ashes Online, which is absolutely the hub of online Ashes discussion. So if you are somehow listening to us and you're not already on there, then definitely check that out. I'm pretty sure everyone who's ever listened to this podcast found it because of Ashes Online. And uh, another way you can help uh, us in the uh, the design department is to submit your games on uh, Play Plaid at uh, plaidhatgames.com backslash play backslash ashes. Those are forward slashes, Bob. Uh, forward slashes. Wow, I'm bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can also apply to be a playtester. Applications are uh, are still open. 
and uh, Joe generally accepts more playtesters uh, in, in clumps, we always need more playtesters. Strange Copy is also an awesome website. They have a great collection of articles, and uh, Jason Perez, uh did I mess it's that up on, again? Perry? The goddamn Perry. <laughs> there, there's a pronunciation key right behind his name. <laughs> you just said strange copy, which just made me think strange copy might be fun on a Lulu deck since it goes away at the end of the round. I know we're kind of done talking about it, but... <laughs> yeah, but that requires playing Illusion Scum, so... Hey, now. Really, I didn't listen to anything you said Hey, today. hashtag purple die till I die. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. Unfriend. You a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> you have a special announcement about Jason Perry, Austin? Yeah, uh, he's going to be our special guest on the next episode, as well as uh, some guy named Isaac Vega. I don't know who he is, but Nick booked him, so uh, I guess he's going to be here. <laughs> I hear he's been clamoring, bothering you guys to get on the episode. Yeah, like he just bugs us nonstop. He's our biggest fan. I hear he made a game called Dead of Winter or something. I don't know. I saw it on South Park. That was pretty cool. <laughs> that was pretty cool. So next episode, we're going to have Isaac and Jason on. and We're going to be talking all about Ash's lore. So that'll be a pretty fun episode. Uh, a bit of a break from the usual strategy. You can email us at ashtraypodcast at gmail.com or you can message us on the Facebook page. Uh, you can send us your deck list. We'll play them and talk about them. And you can send us any other questions you have about Ashes, and we'll do our best to answer them. Well, thank you so much, Ben, for being on. It was a real pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, hopefully we'll have you on again sometime. Yes, hopefully you don't edit out everything I said. Just, you know, half of what I said. Well, if you avoid the <laughs> purple die till I die. That better be in there. Hashtag purple die till I die. Oh, now it's in there twice. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you're, just, you're adding on more work for me every time you open your mouth. If, if it is not, if it is not in the podcast, I'm gonna complain on the on, on your Facebook page. You will not get any more likes. Start a riot. <laughs> um, anyways, I think that's it. Yeah. Talk to you later. See you guys around. Bye. Take it easy. <laughs>